Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Let's be honest. There are all these terms out there that you hear all the time. You hear them on the news. You hear them on the radio. You hear them at the water cooler or coffee machine at your office. You overhear people talking about it in bars. You hear the terms metaverse, cryptocurrency, uh, NFT, augmented reality, virtual reality. Maybe with the exception of virtual reality, which people have been saying is going to be the next big thing for the last 40 years, Maybe you get what that is. But the those other terms, let's face it, a lot of you sort of have your eyes glaze over and hope that no one really calls you on the fact that you don't exactly understand what those terms mean. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times I'm in that same category. Well, a guy that knows all about all those things is a real pioneer in the field of virtual reality and augmented reality. Dr. Lewis Rosenberg, he is a technologist, a prolific inventor, an entrepreneur, a writer, and he's currently the CEO and chief scientist of the artificial intelligence company Unanimous AI. And he's here to help uh, clarify a few of the ideas that are rolling around in the metaverse. Lewis, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's begin with virtual reality. When people use that term, what exactly is virtual reality? Sure. So um, virtual reality, as, as the name implies, is a simulation or replication of reality and uh, it's generally uh, created by having people put on uh, most importantly a a headset so what they see is a 3d simulated world and that headset has what's called head tracking so as they move their head around uh, their view changes in that simulated world and because of that, they have this feeling of immersion. They feel they feel immersed or present in this simulated world. And if you can make the visuals photorealistic and all the reactions and interactions as uh, as accurate as possible, you could simulate the real world, simulate reality with such fidelity that it would seem 
fully authentic. And, and we're not there yet, but uh, the technology has been advancing uh, over the last 30, 40 years, getting better and better to the point now where uh, the, the imagery and the interactions are very compelling and, uh, and the cost keeps coming down, which is why uh, we're now at this place where it seems very possible that in the next five to 10 years, uh, this technology of, of virtual reality could impact impact everybody mm. from uh, from professionals to just mainstream consumers. How about the term augmented reality? Is that another name for the same thing? Is or, or if augmented reality is something different from virtual reality, what is it? And can you explain that next step? What that difference might be? Sure. So uh, so virtual reality, as we said, you you uh, are immersed in a fully simulated world. And uh, it has its benefits, but it also has a big drawback, which is that you are cut off from the real world. So when you're in a virtual reality, uh, you cannot see your surroundings around you. Augmented reality is, uh, is a merger of the real world and the virtual world so that you are basically overlaying virtual content onto the real world around you. So... Uh, these simulated objects and simulated interactions and simulated sensations are present in the real world. Uh, and then this is achieved uh, with a different type of headset. Instead of a, a headset that's cutting you off from the real world, it's a headset that um, is lightweight glasses that you can see through. But when you look through those glasses, it is also projecting into your view uh, simulated objects. And so in an augmented world, in augmented reality, uh, the software can can embellish the real world with all kinds of interesting creative content um, and and make the real world a you know, a magical place with uh, as a combination of, of real and virtual things. I know um, for a while, uh, the one of the big games was Pokemon Go, where people would play this game on their phones and they would see these, essentially these digital uh, Poke stops uh, through their phone. And that was sort of, uh, it seems to me, an example of what you're saying, combining a digital enhancement with the real world. Is that an example of augmented reality? It is. It is. It's a simple example of augmented reality because it's uh, it's happening on your phone. So your phone basically becomes a little window uh, that's allowing you to to look into this augmented world through this little uh, window that you're holding around. As you move your phone around, uh, that window moves. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting application. Uh, it is augmented reality, but it's not as immersive as if you were wearing glasses. Uh, instead of holding a phone, and so now if you're if you're wearing glasses, uh, basically everywhere you look, uh, you could have that experience, and it would be very very natural. And so, uh, most of the large uh, computer manufacturers and phone manufacturers are now really pushing hard to uh, to transition from these you know this handheld augmented reality with phones to uh, to glasses, lightweight, stylish glasses, and so uh, my my guess is that uh, around in the next two to three years, 2025, we'll see augmented reality glasses from uh, from large companies like Apple, uh, Meta, Google, 
uh, Sony, Samsung, uh, they are all uh, basically in an, in a, an arms race to uh, to launch that tech technology to consumers uh, in the next few years. I mean, two to three years is nothing in the grand scheme of things. That's essentially saying this technology and uh, the consumer's ability to tap into it is all basically right around the corner. It is. It's it's close. Uh, uh, most of these companies have uh, have shown prototypes and uh, announced that their plans their plans for augmented reality are you know are near term, uh, just a few years out. And I would expect that uh, certainly Apple and Google and Samsung will uh, will push hard into this space because they they see it as the natural evolution of the mobile phone. And and I know for a lot of people, including myself, you, you can't imagine that you're going to want to wear glasses walking down the street uh, to, to have augmented reality experience. Um, but what that technology will do is it will put content into the world at exactly the location where you want it. And so uh, as you're walking down the street and you uh, look into a store window, you will see you know prices pop up and, and information about products. Uh, you, you might be walking down the street and see information about landmarks and, and other things. And so the these uh, the phone manufacturers who are pushing hard for these glasses, they, they really see the opportunity to create this embellished world with all kinds of information and content and creative artwork that uh, that exists all around you. And, and their hope is that um, in Five to ten years, when people are used to wearing glasses to see all this content around them, we, they will look back at the time when you were walking down the street with your neck bent, staring down at a phone to get that same information, and they will you'll think like, well, that's kind of silly. Like, you, like, and so it is. Um, you know, the goal really is to make information more natural, and uh, you know, the way we are, you know, we're intended to perceive it, which is. Our, all around us rather than, you know, on this little screen in our hand. All right. Uh, if people just tune you, we're talking with Lewis Rosenberg. He is the chief scientist and the CEO of the artificial intelligence company Unanimous AI. We're going to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence in just a minute, and uh, that's something that's certainly been getting a lot of attention. How about the metaverse, Lewis? What can you uh, what can you tell folks that may have heard the term but not necessarily understand what it is? What is the metaverse? Yeah, so uh, the metaverse is, um, in a lot of ways, an, a new marketing term that uh, refers to all of these immersive technologies, um, virtual reality, augmented reality. Uh, th there's other words people use, mixed reality, extended reality. But, but what the metaverse is is, is really this uh, overarching term. It was you know, popularized you know, very much by Facebook when they changed their name to Meta, and they, you know, and they uh, brought it into the public consciousness in a in a big way last year. Uh, and it, before that, it was really just a term in science fiction that that didn't get that much attention. But I think the way people can think about the word metaverse now is really about this broad transition that um, from a computing world today where almost all the content that you interact with is flat, flat content that you interact with by observing it in the third person and transitioning to uh, really a different computing infrastructure where uh, the content is immersive. 
and you experience it in the first person. And so it's really about changing the role of the user from an observer on the outside looking in at information to a participant on the inside being immersed in the information. And it could be fully virtual or it could be augmented, but that is, uh, that is really the big vision of the metaverse. And there are big companies like Meta who believe you know, that's the future of social media, that's the future of social interaction, it's the future of entertainment, it's the future of shopping, it's the future of uh, you know, computing in general. And um, you know, whether or not that, that's the, you know, how things pan out remains to be seen, but uh, companies are investing massive amounts in it. Meta is investing over $10 billion a year in pushing for this metaverse and other large companies like Apple and Google and Sony and Samsung uh, are also investing heavily. I always look for examples of popular films or television shows that can explain some of the concepts that I'm talking about, not just with technology, but with uh, uh, maybe social interactions, political things, economic things. Are there any good motion pictures that you think do a good job explaining where we're headed towards the next level of all this stuff, be it virtual reality, augmented reality, or the metaverse? Anything that you really like that thinks that you think uh, portrays a realistic depiction of the near future? Yeah, there's um, usually it's not it's not that realistic <laughs> in, in that you know the the, the film franchise that people refer to the the most in terms of you know virtual reality is the matrix uh, because it's a world you know it's a, it's a simulated world that people that's so real people don't even know that they're in it and um and that is you know the this dystopian future um there's you know you can have a, a comedy version of of almost the same thing like the the old film the truman show where uh it's you know uh, Jim Carrey's in a world where you know, they use actors to, to simulate the whole world around him. But again, it's this fully simulated world that, that looks and feels real. And I think, um, I think those are really interesting depictions. Um, there, aren't, there aren't really near-term depictions that, that are coming – close to what's really going to happen. I, and I'm not sure why. I, I think it's because um, science fiction is always looking 10, 20, 30 years out, and uh, it, it's really looking towards the, you know, the full-blown dystopian scenarios that, uh, that these type of technologies could, could lead to. So um, if in the f near future, four, five, six, seven years, most of the world is going to be walking around with these uh, virtual headsets, will that replace our mobile phone, especially our smartphone? I mean, we've seen a lot of iterations of the mobile phone. We remember what the uh, mobile phone looked like in the 1980s, the size of essentially a boombox that you're holding up to your head. Then we remember <laughs> the uh, the flip phone phase, which looked kind of like a, a, a communicator from Star Trek. Then... Uh, we see uh, basically what we have now in terms of smartphones. Is your prediction that 10 years from now, let's say, what we're carrying around as our smartphone or our iPhone, is that going to be totally obsolete? So uh, I personally believe that that will be the case. I think in the early 
3030s, so uh, 10 years or, or maybe a little bit less, we will be uh, – the technology will be at a place where most people are thinking about their, in, in their mobile computing as eyewear and not as something that they hold in their hand. And I think the transition will happen, in some sense, at a very temp similar pacing to what we saw uh, when the iPhone replaced the flip phone. So, so I think it was 2007 that Apple launched the iPhone. It was the first smartphone. Nobody knew they needed a smartphone. Nobody thought they needed to spend $1,000 on a phone. Um, People were, you know, thought that phones were for making phone calls, and they were relatively inexpensive. Um, but once Apple launched the iPhone, it started to give uh, different capabilities. It started to allow people to to access information in new ways, in mobile ways, with GPS. And it only took you know, five or six years mm. before people felt like they had no choice but to have a smartphone. Because if you if you know, if you didn't have a smartphone, you were now missing out on information, missing out on capabilities that you just can't get on a on a old flip phone. And so, within five six years, it really completely transformed the market, and it became uh, the smartphone became you know, by far the dominant the, the dominant technology. So now, if we if we expect, let's say, in 2024 2025, let's say Apple comes out with augmented reality glasses, um, it will be the same thing. It will be expensive at first. It will be you know, relatively small at first, but it will give new capabilities. Now, when you, again, when you're walking down the street, you'll be able to see all kinds of interesting, interesting information, interesting content, interesting artwork uh, that you really can't see conveniently on a handheld phone. And I think within five or six years of that launching, uh, people will start to feel like they have no choice because if they don't have uh, that eyewear, they won't be able to access the content that is you know, basically being projected all around them anywhere they go, out in public, uh, in stores, in workplaces. And so I do think that there's a reasonable case to be made that adoption will happen uh, relatively quickly and in the early 2030s. Um, we won't be staring down at phones in our hand, but we'll just expect that uh, very, you know, again, lightweight, stylish eyewear uh, that will allow this content to be uh, to be all around us. Chung with Lewis Rosenberg, a technologist and an inventor that follows this stuff pretty closely. A friend of mine is creating a metaverse uh, Staten Island, which is my hometown. It's one of the boroughs here in New York City. And I said that not only would I like to buy my house for $40, but one of the most famous pieces of Staten Island real estate was the house where they shot the Godfather. And I said I would be willing to bid up to $3,500 for this virtual Godfather house. Now, my wife almost threw me out of our actual house <laughs> for being willing to spend $3,500 on a fake house. Am I, am I just the most farsighted and, and a clairvoyant digital real estate investor there is? <laughs> or is my wife right that, uh, I, you know, P.T. Barnum's axiom applies to me that there's a sucker born every minute? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's been this whole push for, you know, quote, virtual real estate, uh, people selling selling real estate plots of land in, you know, quote, the metaverse. It could be inside of a fully virtual world 
that is completely abstract, or it could be, you know, plots of land in the real world that are, you know, basically for augmented content over over things. Um, I think it is a, a pretty risky proposition because we don't know which of these platforms are going to end up being the dominant platforms and which platforms are just going to go away. And so unlike you know, real real estate where there's you know, there's a real plot of land on Staten Island and you you know you expect that that's going to be there in a hundred years, it's not just going to go away. Uh, in the metaverse, uh, you know, some of these platforms will, will just go away. Uh, the other thing about virtual real estate is that um, it's potentially unlimited in size. And so, if if you're selling plots of land in a you know in this virtual world, it's unlimited. The 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 creator of that world could just keep creating more and more land. And so, this you know the thing that generally drives up prices is scarcity, and it's not clear that scarcity will play the same role uh, in virtual real uh, estate. I see. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of interesting things. It's, it's hard to know what will happen. I think, I think like anything, some investments will turn out to be really good because they will be the platforms that are, that are uh, popular, and, um, and there will be competition. And then I think there will be you know, other virtual real estates that are just a, a complete bust. Uh, because the platforms just go away. You wrote a column last month uh, where you indicated that the movement towards all of this stuff, augmented reality, virtual reality, and the accompanying consumer technology, which is soon going to be available for folks at uh, a relatively reasonable price, that this could actually allow humans to essentially have superpowers. Uh, What sort of superpowers can humans look forward to in an augmented reality world? Yeah. So, um, as I said, augmented reality allows us to lay information over over the real world, and um, and that will give us these capabilities that we don't necessarily have today. Uh, some of those capabilities will be for professionals, and some of those capabilities will be for consumers. It's it's easiest to see the capabilities right now for professionals because some of those technologies are already being developed. So, so in that article, I talked about some of the really interesting things that are happening in medicine. Where, uh, where the augmented reality technology is, is being given to, uh, to doctors and surgeons and radiologists and are creating really interesting capabilities. The most basic one is, is X-ray vision. And so there's a, a number of systems that have been developed that are connecting this capability of augmented reality with uh, medical images like CT scans, MRI scans, ultrasounds, and they're able to correlate that with the patient on the table. So imagine you're a surgeon and you're going to do surgery on a patient and you have a 3D CAT scan of that patient. Well, right now what, what happens is a doctor will go over to a flat screen and look at that 3D CAT scan, uh, try to uh, you know, understand where the, the trauma is inside the patient or the disease, and then they'll look back at the patient and they'll, you know, they have to then do a procedure. With augmented reality, they can take that content off that flat screen and and basically put it exactly where the patient is. And so from the doctor's perspective, it's as if they're just looking into the patient and seeing the CAT scan, seeing the medical image. They're seeing the disease or they're seeing the trauma right under the skin 
because the augmented reality glasses are giving them that capability. And so that's you know a, one example of a superpower that already doctors are getting in uh, basically research studies uh, that are being done around the world. It, this is already possible, and I would say within five years it will start to become commonplace for doctors. But that same capability of x-ray vision uh, will go beyond uh, surgery to all kinds of interesting professions. There will be a time when if you are a plumber or an electrician and you're going to a house, you'll put on augmented reality glasses and you'll be able to just see right through the wall and see see into the wall and see where the pipes are, see where the electrical conduits are, see where the HVAC uh, ducting is because you will have a 3D model of the house that uh, that you can access and it will allow you then to just use the augmented reality glasses and just and see that. The same thing will happen in uh, people who are manufacturing airplanes or cars or repairing, uh, repairing, and so from engineering to architecture to uh, to surgery, you know, augmented reality will give these really interesting capabilities. You can then think, well, what's going to happen for just regular consumers? You know, regular consumers, uh, you're wearing your your augmented reality glasses, and uh, let's say. You uh, you're in an office and and you uh, somebody walks up to you. These glasses will be set so that it will tell you that person's name. Uh, you don't have you don't have to worry about forgetting forgetting the name of you know hundreds of other employees. Every time an employee comes near you, uh, the augmented real, reality glasses will tell you their their name, what their job title is, uh, maybe other information. The the name of their their spouse, how many kids they have, and so this you know this ability to have basically super memory, super recall, because the augmented reality glasses will give you this information in real time as you're walking through your world, that will that will happen, and so um, it is you know, there, there's uh, you know, vast amounts of of applications and capabilities that will be unleashed when you can put this content just into your daily life and have uh, and have uh, what will feel like a magical ability that that you just don't have in today's world. So this is going to be useful and applicable for a lot more than just video games and uh, and better and better video games, right? Uh, so I, I absolutely think that that will be the case um, in terms of the uh, in, in you know obviously for gaming for entertainment, there will be also magical amazing applications and I, so I do think that one of the big you know killer apps for augmented reality for virtual reality will be entertainment but I think for most people in their daily lives, it will be you know everything from getting information while shopping to getting you know educational information. Uh, when you're walking down the street, you know, you're walking down the street and you look at, you, you see a particular tree and information comes up telling you what kind of tree it is. Uh, and so it's really about bringing all that information that you might normally have sat down on, in front of a flat screen and um, and you know, typed into Google. And instead, it will just be all around you. And um, and it will, again, it will bring, it will bring these Magical capabilities, um, artistic capabilities, where these applications are basically embellishing 
embellishing the world around you. I can see in our audience, uh, I'm hearing from them already, people listening to this discussion who already think people in general, but young people specifically, are already staring at screens too much. They're staring at their phones. They're staring at their computers. They're staring at their smart TVs. And they look at the world that you're describing, where everybody is essentially uh, staring through a screen at all times and saying uh, that this is gonna, just going to be terrible. Do you think, and maybe you're not the best source to ask this question to, but do you think this is something that the public should be embracing? Or is this something that we should be trying to pump the brakes and slow down a little bit, lest members of the public become even more out of touch with actual reality? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I definitely have mixed feelings about the technology for a variety of reasons. Um, There's... There's first, there's just being um, lost in the technology, and I think in fully virtual worlds where somebody goes into a simulation and they're cut off from the real world, I think that's pretty dangerous. I think we, we, you know, we already see that with gaming, where people, you know, uh, there are young people who go into gaming, uh, gaming environments and spend huge numbers of hours a day and kind of lose touch with reality. I think the same thing can happen in virtual world. I, I think augmented reality will be. A safer and more interesting and, and uh, more uh, you know, s- socially uh, reasonable because you, you're not replacing the real world. You're just embellishing the real world. And so you're still having face-to-face interactions and you're still interacting with other people in places and you're just bringing uh, content, you know, virtual content into the world. So I do think that there's potential downsides of both. I think augmented reality is safer. I also think that there are other dangers that are you know, that, that I worry about a lot, which is that these platforms, um, whether it's virtual reality or augmented reality, give the platform providers extreme amounts of power. And they do that because they have the ability, uh, by the nature of how these systems work, to track people wherever they go and wherever they do, uh, whatever they do. So if you know if you're going to have this capability from uh, from Apple or Meta or Samsung or Google that will allow you to walk down the street and look at a tree and and see you know all kinds of interesting scientific information about that tree, that's amazing. But that means that that company mm. had to know exactly where you were standing, exactly what direction you were looking, in order to give you that information. And so they are. They are. Uh, they have to be able to track vast amounts of information. And so these platforms will know, you know, where you are, what you're doing, what direction you're looking, how long your gaze is lingering uh, as you as you walk down the street. They'll know if you slow down and look into a particular store window, or you speed up and walk past another store window. Uh, they'll know how fast you're walking. They'll know. Uh, they'll be able to track your posture to to determine. You know, are you. Uh, are you interested uh, in something that's in front of you? Are you are you not interested? And all that, inf- you know, tracking all that information, such intimate levels of information about everybody on the planet is scary. It should be a concern. Um, and so my personal view is that there really should be significant regulation of these metaverse technologies so that we can have mm. these amazing magical capabilities but not have to worry that these capabilities will give the platform providers, you know, uh, just vast amounts of information that goes far beyond what they're, you know, right now they're tracking, you know, where you click and, uh, 
and maybe what you buy online, they're not tracking, you know, where you're walking and who you're walking with and what you're doing. But these these metaverse technologies will allow that. I talk with Lewis Rosenberg. He's the CEO and the chief scientist of the artificial intelligence company Unanimous AI. Uh, Lewis, I could talk with you about this stuff all day. I'm running out of time here. But two final issues I do have to ask you about. One, it has to do with this. You used AI to protect, to predict that the Golden State Warriors would win the NBA Finals in six games. How'd you do that? And can you use that same AI methodology to make a pick for the World Series and maybe even the 2024 presidential election? Yeah. So, uh, so my company, uh, Unanimous AI, uh, we're an artificial intelligence company, but we actually do this in a very different way. Instead of using AI to replace people with algorithms, we actually use AI to connect groups of people together. And so um, we, we will take a group of people. In, in the case of, uh, of predicting sports, we'll take a group of sports fans, not, not experts, just you know, 30 or 40 sports fans. We have them come into our software platform, and, and we have them make predictions together while AI or algorithms are watching uh, – how they how they reach a decision, and this uh, our technology will basically amplify their collective intelligence. And so we had these uh, we had these uh, forty people predict you know who's going to win the NBA Finals, how many games it was going to take. Uh, we did it for a reporter, so we gave the, we gave the uh, the predictions to the reporter who wrote a story, uh, Golden State Warriors in six games, and and that's exactly what happened. And we see this happen a lot. We've uh, we've predicted uh, for a number of years in a row uh, the Super Bowl and and the Kentucky Derby and uh, and, and lots of different sporting events. We in fact uh, for last year's uh, and uh, NFL season we we used a group of sports fans. We predicted every single and every single football game for the entire season. And this group of sports fans, when they came together in our software platform, was able to outperform Vegas. Uh, and, and basically beat all of the Vegas odds makers. And so w- what we do is we, we amplify human intelligence instead of replace human intelligence. And, and like you said, it could be, it could be used for uh, all kinds of things. We've, uh, we've used it for predicting elections. In the 2020 election, uh, we, uh, we gave predictions to the Wall Street Journal for, uh, for all of the battleground states of uh, – of the presidential election, and I think we got ten out of the eleven battleground states correct, which was better than you know, traditional sure. polling. Sure, better than any poll uh, did. Yeah, so it's uh, you know we come from this philosophy that uh, that people are smart, and we work to use AI to to amplify human intelligence, as opposed to uh, what a lot of research is doing, uh, which is working to just replace people with with algorithms which has its own its own dangers sure, and uh, sure. and problems. Uh, last question and this question may sound silly to some people but you mentioned the the matrix and th- there's a theory that we've talked about on this show before and other people have written and spoken about including people like Elon Musk where uh, a lot of people believe that the world we're living in now uh, you talking to me the people listening to me right now that this is actually some sort of a giant computer simulation and that we're actually living in a computer simulation that somebody has been running for some purpose. Do you have a theory as to whether that's accurate or not? It, you know, it's one of these theories that's impossible to prove or disprove. So it's very interesting, 
but it's um, we will you know we will never know, uh, or at least not based. You know, we won't know anytime soon based on the the technologies that we have. I think that it's um, it is certainly possible because we wouldn't know. And again, it goes back to this you know this technology of virtual reality. If if you were in a virtual environment that was so good that everything looked and sounded and felt exactly like it would in the real world, you couldn't tell the difference. And so um, if we're in that world, we just, we just wouldn't know by definition <laughs> of that world. Uh, do I think it's probable? I personally don't think it's probable. I think that, uh, that it is uh, just m the simpler solution is more likely, which is that uh, the, the real world is the real world. Uh, but I cannot disprove the, the possibility that it is a simulation. Well, we're going to have to end it there. Louis Rosenberg, thank you for a fascinating discussion. And uh, I'll look forward to chatting again in the future as we get closer and closer to everyone, everyone walking around in these augmented reality glasses. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead.